Hi, everybody. Uh, it is the first TF of 2023, and uh, the instruction that you're going to receive from us is to take all of your old acquaintances, forget them. They're gone. Uh, you're mm. getting all mm. new friends, no old yeah, acquaintances. We're your friends now. We're your family. Uh, give us all of your money. Move into our compound um, and, you know, uh, uh, await further instructions. Uh, Happy New Year uh, to you, our listeners, and to you, uh, to fifths of the people that do this podcast with me yeah the the, the sun god um, ra has once again allowed a pair of scarabs to like uh sort of rotate the sun across the sky enough times to make it a new year uh and we hope for a, a felicitous yeah. flood and a tall pyramid well uh according to uh this editorial in the economist uh what if that did actually happen uh, as the New Year's message uh, in <laughs> the Economist, priestly cast of the Economist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the um, a New Year's message from the Economist goes um, uh, goes standing bird, uh, man doing a hand gesture, uh, standing bird. I don't know. It yeah. goes what the editorial is entitled, and this is probably from their their the last issue of the year. What if things in Britain just go right next year? What if that? You know? <laughs> Which of the stages yeah. of grief is that? Um, I, I, well, I, I think it's sort of, um, it's the one between bargaining and acceptance. Does pyramid scheme count as a stage of grief. It's not even denial anymore. It's just delusion. It's it's like Hitler bunker stuff. It's like Army Group Steiner is going to come and like destroy the Red Army before they can liberate Berlin. So they say, you know, and then this is this is what they say, right? Is that it's been screwed up so badly by sort of some combination of Boris Johnson and Liz Truss and uh, various sort of circumstances outside of our control that we decided to remove all of the safeguards against because it was slightly too expensive. Hmm. Um, yeah. They say, look, basically, after that, uh, after a year like this, Britain will find it hard to surprise in the downside again, which means we oh, are setting little the bar. Faith. There are more Very things. Low. There are more things in Britain than are dreamt of in your philosophy, The Economist. Yeah, Britain <laughs> is kind of like the global politics equivalent of Kanye West. Like we always find a new way to surprise you. We always True. find new depths to plumb. Very anti-Semitic, yeah, also. We also kind of what like reached our peak in arguably two thousand eight, nine. Mm. Uh, Had maybe like a little one earlier. or two good albums. Uh, yeah, we've been cucked by Pete Davidson somehow. <laughs> uh, first, and most modestly, it could be a year of political stability, and this refers to boring old Rishi taking over from exciting but harmful Quarteng and Trust. Looking at the sort of avalanche of strikes coming down the mountain, uh, you know, smaller versions of which have already, you know, uh, been very successful at creating sort of like untold amounts of disorganization and discord and being like, yeah, but what if it, it's it's snow, right? It just goes over us. It's fine. Oh, yeah. I flew into Heathrow yesterday and the fucking border force were on strike. I had yeah. my passports checked by the fucking Royal Logistics Corps. I mean, like, if you manage to make the ultra cops go on strike, I feel like it's not going well for you. So, it's sort of one of those quirks of labor organizing that um, home office and, like, border enforcement staff are, like, represented by the PCS, which is, like, surprisingly militant. It, it, just, like, a, a, a weird little thing about unions in this country. 
So speaking of, um, they says it is true that the oh yeah. And by the way, the bearing what Alice just said in mind, right? That um, there is uh, this avalanche of strikes coming down the pipe. Inflation remains high, and that the government is essential. And, and everywhere that the government ha- that Westminster government has not been involved in negotiating pay, these strikes have been resolved. Like for example, in Eurostar, the Western, Westminster government's not resolved. The strikes have been resolved, and they, everyone's agreed to get back to work. Scotland, even. I mean, like, um, we'll see what happens there. But the Scottish government has has been sort of more willing to capitulate to nurses as well they might than than Westminster has been. And indeed, right. So, bearing all of that in mind, what they say, that, and the fact that Rishi and his ministers and sort of mandarins are largely preventing this from happening, um, the uh, uh, the argument is that revolutionaries no longer look like winners, and moderates seem like a better bet. What's really funny is that Ken Clark, of all people, said the quiet part loud, unfamiliar from him, I know, um, where he was, uh, I think he was quoted in the Times, I want to say, where uh, saying that like the point of doing this, the point of sort of standing athwart this uh, this sort of like wave of strikes is because uh, people can't be afford, uh, people can't afford to learn that striking is an effective means of like intervention, because otherwise you might have, to, you might have to like negotiate every pay rise from now on and you know obviously we can't oh, no. have that you can't govern the country like that um if you're ken clark so it's, uh, it's, we we don't negotiate with terrorists but in yes. this case the terrorists are getting you on the train safely and uh, helping a surgery be performed on you if if we basically. choose to live no. our lives differently and award different pay deals the nurses brackets terrorists win Nurses wanting to be paid a living wage is the thin end of the wedge of the nursing union flying a Boeing 747 <laughs> into Big Ben. That's all I'm saying. Like, and, and you can't argue with facts. <laughs> so, they, what, so what they say, right, is that the, there is a sort of general air of competence. And you can tell, because I'm about to read you the next sentence, which is a real sentence printed in, again, unsurprisingly, The Economist, right? Even when the prime minister is taking a populist position on issues such as asylum seekers, he does it with a five-point plan, leading me to ask, what populist position on asylum seekers is improved by a five-point plan? It's 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 the form over the function, isn't it? I mean, like n- no evil man could have like a five-point plan. No, of course they, they tend to go with three or eight. Absolutely, no, five. No way. If if you have um, a five point plan, even if all five of those points are, I am going to kick the shit out of you. That demonstrates that you are a politician of profound seriousness. Five is a reasonable number of points. It is more detailed than I think the more slapdash three, but less prescriptive than the needlessly over the top eight. <laughs> Labour might introduce a sixth point on the populist plan to deal with asylum seekers. Well, to encourage them to go further. Mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so they, they also write, you know, a less doctrinaire approach to Europe. Again, uh, you know, sure, but maybe, maybe we'll just like pretend that? that Brexit has gone away. You know, that's that's not very doctrinaire. I mean, that does seem to be the sort of policy right now. Is we just try and ignore it, hope no one notices, and then. Question mark, and then we become Switzerland. So you know that there's that's not a doctrine. They're right. It isn't a doctrine. It isn't even a plan. It doesn't even have one point, let alone five. <laughs> and also, but it's a, the so basically, right? Their argument is things will be better if we have an overall air of seriousness in government. If we'll sort of have a more sort of conciliatory approach to the EU, 
And but also the third one is and a loosening of the labor market will be welcome news for readers of The Economist. Uh, and if you're wondering, hey, wait a minute, what does a loosening of the labor market means? It means slightly higher unemployment. Thank you, Economist. Amazing. Good. We have to we have to discipline labor with with unemployment and with the repression of strikes. I mean, it's cool that the Economist has been writing the same like the same line essentially for what a hundred years now at this point more than. Um, oh yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, never gets old. Look, playing the hits. Yeah, well, absolutely. Ooh, Absolutely, they could have they they could have just taken their article in support of Pinochet and done some like find and replace and deleted the words death squads and then. <laughs> well, the thing about Pinochet is that like throwing someone out of a helicopter that's a plan that requires at least five points because number one point one you got to get the helicopter point two put the dissident in the helicopter point three take off the helicopter point four throw them out of the helicopter point five land the helicopter again it's comprehensive it's very <laughs> treat serious. yourself to a little snack. It's yeah, exactly. that, that, that's the labor, you know, the labor amendment to that point six little snack on the way home. Yeah. Well, and also in Britain, yeah. that would require like the army having a functioning helicopter, which I think is, you know, <laughs> a bit far fetched. Yeah. Throwing you off a grounded helicopter, you fall about four feet out of the thing, yeah. just go ow, and then they pick you back up and throw you back out again. If we do this We're enough times, eventually you're going to stop striking. Yeah. The cumulative so fall will be enough to kill you after. <laughs> Doing sort of like a long-term NFL brain injury to, to like organized labor. So are we? Are you saying that the plan is basically what to like just you know like kite organized labor and then slowly make them go? Ooh, yeah, ooh. one hit point one damage, damage every time. <laughs> this so, will work. They also talk about um, that there are glimmers of hope in the in the domestic labor market where high levels of economic inactivity have been a big problem. Now, they say that the reduction in levels of economic activity has been driven by 50 to 64 year olds going back to work. Awesome. Perfect. Amazing. Uh, Great. That's there have been glimmers. Glimmers. (laughs) We're seeing glimmers. (laughs) <laughs> the solution here is, and, and and not to keep mining the Nazi analogy here, right? But like, since Marx already, you know, helpfully mentioned the reserve army of labor for me, we're literally getting into like the Volkssturm here, right? Like, uh, like old men, like the 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 very old, the very young, the infirm, all of these can be pressed into service in like the checkouts at Aldi or whatever, and thus we will rescue the economy. So For a second, I thought you said right? the Czech Aldi. <laughs> We're building a Czech <laughs> version of Aldi. It's pretty Final. similar. If you recall, one thing we talked about um, a few months ago, in fact, on the last All Remote episode we did, uh, was the fact that in many towns in Britain outside of London, the replacement for the pension for the social safety net and so on is to just go get a warehouse job at Amazon, which has seen its average age creep up. Uh, mm. To which the Economist says, "Thank goodness, uh, we are going to see a, a reduction in in labor market inactivity among the very old, uh, and again, possibly infirm, um, who are being forced back into work, despite I don't know it being a monstrous thing to do. And additionally, uh, overall, however, while the level of economic inactivity will drop, we also see slackening in the workforce generally, which means higher unemployment. So, uh, hey, maybe Britain will be saved uh, from this hell uh, by, uh, as we say, um, getting all the 64-year-olds into an Amazon uh, uh, warehouse, uh, Rishi Sunak making five-point plans for 
I don't know, like getting the fucking Navy to, to put depth mines in the channel. And then um, just a, a, a general sense of um, sort of seriousness. So uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Economist. And this is the, and the upshot of all of this is what if it's just fine? Not even fine. What if it's good? What if it's better actually off and of the combination also, of these things? What if no more Black Swan events happen? Huh. Come on, we're due a year without one, right? One. Yeah, what if nothing unpredictable happens after sort of like uh yeah, sort of every possible system we can introduce instability and unpredictability into? We have done that to the maximum by choice over the past what, 40 years? Sort of like pulling back the big the big slingshot, the big catapult, uh pulling that back, it's mm. aimed directly at my own face and going, Yeah, but what if the string snaps? Oh no, mm. not the big facial catapult. Actually, Alice, that does sound like something you would own. <laughs> <laughs> it's um I think it's a good way as well to to think about to to try to think about Black Swan events as well, right? Unpredictable things happening, these bad things happening. Is the basically this is not about the unpredictable thing happening, but about unpredictable things happening and there being the mechanism to absorb its effects. Yes, unpredictable things yeah, happen absolutely. all the time. And there is, and as you, I think the way I interpret what you've said is, it, I, I think about that as us having removed our ability to absorb the effects of unpredictable events. And I'm sorry to the economist, but it will take more than a PowerPoint presentation um, or a spiffy suit to compensate uh, for that particular, um, let's say, deficiency uh, in the way that we've set up the country. Yeah, so, well, um, in Britain, look, we take the view, you know, what's the point in preparing for an unpredictable event happening? You know, what are the chances of an unpredictable event happening? Well, famously, nobody knows. And if they can't even predict an event, how are they going to make it happen? Predicting stuff is easy. And, and this is, this is exactly sort of like right. statistical anomaly that like ordinary people who are not like statisticians are becoming increasingly aware of because it's now, you know, the fifth year in a row of hottest year in history. Uh, again, or like you know, you've lived through a couple of dozen once in a hundred year weather events, or something like that, and it's just like, oh, okay, well, maybe these things have become like maybe unpredictability has become more predictable to me. Uh, lagging somewhere behind this are the brains trust the economists who are just like, it's going to go back, it's going to go back to normal, it's going to we're going to have a lovely summer, it's not going to be too hot, uh, nothing weird's going to happen. And it's gonna it's gonna be fine because of the old people. The old people are gonna get jobs, and therefore it's all going to be well because they they have statistics brains. So they're like, you know, oh well, actually, the weirder things get, the sooner they'll go back to normal. Because statistically, <laughs> the weirdness is so unlikely that it must be just on the cusp of going back to normal. <laughs> and, and every time it gets weirder, and they're like, which means we're even closer to things going back to normal. <laughs> Uh, these things couldn't possibly be correlated. The weirdness weakening these systems to prevent further weirdness couldn't possibly be correlated with further weirdness. No, sir. Yeah, and there is there is a lesson here that is like being deliberately not learned that normalcy is something that you have to actively maintain. You have to like sort of shepherd your flock of white swans if you want to like make sure that there's you know it, it's at least rare that there's black swans, right? Like. The, you have to maintain some sort of like institutional capacity, and meanwhile, we're just like stripping bits of institutional capacity away instead. Or 
creating laws that make it more difficult for the people trying to protect the institutional capacity to do that. Well, because they're, get they're out of the way. We need to strip that thing. institutional. Yeah, they're terrorists. They're about to do nurse nine eleven on Big Ben. Um, the, the other thing that I I sort of that, that this makes <laughs> nurse me nine eleven aiming the aiming the plane at Big Ben and going now this may hurt a bit. <laughs> you may feel a slight pinch. You know what this makes me think of, right, is that, um, I don't know if you've all been following Solana. It was a popular cryptocurrency at a huge market cap. It's crashed very low. And people are losing oh, money trying, trying to find the bottom of it because they can't, because they're so used to the number being high that the number being low feels increasingly unlikely. The lower the number goes, the closer it is to returning to normal. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, it's, it's the same thing as um, uh, in the beginning of the pandemic when Hertz, uh, the rental car company, um, went out. Went, went basically started filing for bankruptcy, and people were buying its stock because they were so used to the number being higher. You know, and it's the it's the same thing here, as you say, Alice. Right? Status quo is something you actively have to maintain. But well, I think generations of economic orthodoxy have been that there is just a status quo that kind of comes from God, the market, whatever you want to call it, and that it's something that yeah that we can just sort of snap back to if we just hold on. Well, this is happening like internationally, like I, not to totally derail the podcast, but you, you may be Please. aware that uh, China has like abandoned after mass protests its its zero COVID policy and is now about to have because you know they're not importing Western vaccines and their own sort of like uh, denatured vaccines aren't as good are about to have like this huge wave of COVID. And it's like the Chinese Communist Party's ideology. We've talked about this before. Is almost entirely maintaining normalcy and like actively proactively maintaining normalcy and if the guys who are like the sort of the the, the constant gardeners the guys who are like see themselves and their role in government as keeping shit normal all the time if those guys have given up what hope do we have in in, in britain a country where we like our sort of like our we like our to ideology get weird with is it. like yeah it's to get weird with it what chance do we stand well I'll tell you one thing that the uh, that like, a few things have been happening in Scotland uh, to That's true. Uh, let's say <laughs> so, sort of a perennial more thing. Many things do happen up here. Uh, he he said, um, uh, 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 segueing. Uh, I wanted there was one thing that I think it bears a little more talking about, but I don't think you know about this, Milo. But one of our predictions has come true, at least as a proposal Ooh. in Scotland. Do you want to guess which okay. one it is? Because I think you don't know. This is this is ringing a vague bell, actually. Um, no, I can't remember. Yeah, so I think so I have heard about 9/11. it. Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's this, which is world's loudest dong. <laughs> I had to get Philip Glass to compose that. Um, <laughs> which is, I hey, also been watching Glass on you. The, the Scottish Greens uh, are set to propose plans to ban sweet vapes. Amazing. Yes. Perfect yes. Green Party policy. Perfect. Here's, here's the thing, right? Britain is, uh, Scotland too, within Britain, is a country that enjoys passing no fun allowed laws. Scotland, this particularly appeals to like the Greens and the SNP's sort of like social liberalizing mission of like minimum alcohol pricing or uh, like, well, the sugar tax too, right? And I've hated all of those no fun allowed laws. This is one I can support. I finally support a no fun allowed law because. I hate a sweet vape, and they're ubiquitous. And if I can, like, not walk down the street and become enveloped in a cloud of, like, strawberry bubblegum sort of emanating from a 14-year-old, perfect, thank you. Please do How that immediately. Alice? Enforce <laughs> this. Get the army to enforce this. 
Um, Get the rule logistics core to confiscate people's pay. <laughs> I should be able to drop a tungsten rod from orbit on like anyone selling a sweet vape. So would you support a tapenade vape? Yeah, what if you were walking down the street and you got walked through like a cloud of lobster bisque? What about that? <laughs> Smoked mackerel pate vape. Just a sort of very, a very savory. I support a savory vape as a sort of moderate reform. You know, uh, I think you have to like bear in mind that there are some directions that you don't want to go with it. Like there are a lot of savory flavors you don't want to explore. You don't want to walk through a cloud of sea salt vape, for instance. <laughs> that would be very uncomfortable. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, the the, the steak and potatoes vape certainly maybe mm-hmm. uh, I I, I support that. I just I just think it's a uh, it's vi- it's quite telling, uh, in fact, that only after uh, we published our idea for an olive tapenade vape, that all of a sudden the Scottish Greens seem to be saying, uh, "We'll we'll take that one." Trash Future Podcast. Add them to the master list of people who steal our ideas. It's uh, the, yeah, the, the U.S. Copying. postal inspectors, Buffin, Interpol. The Scottish Green Party. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> They're all uh, cribbing from enough, our the Department of Fish and shape. Wildlife for their investigation <laughs> of Greg Stubbe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he's smuggling rare toads. Um, <laughs> uh, just kidding, for libel reasons. Uh, so, basically, <laughs> he's importing those toads entirely above board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have no questions about the legitimacy of Mr. Stubbe's toads. Thank you. Yeah, Greg Stubbe's toad operation is fully legal, <laughs> as far as we're aware. Um, which is, I wanted to talk, uh, another thing is happening in Scotland, uh, to, to close out the year. Oh, two things? Uh, yeah, fuck, another, it's getting busy up here. Well, Scotland followed the, um, the classic sitcom storyline of having a small funny thing, and then a big weird thing. And Nicholas is um, sort of the mm. Kramer of, uh, of the United Kingdom. Yeah, bursting through the door to Westminster. <laughs> Which is, and I'm aware we're a little late on this one, but it really felt like something that we, we had to discuss, just given, you know, given everything, given our sort of forays into turf madness, is Scotland, as I'm given to understand it, has um, uh, uh, passed a law Scotland has, allowing it... Scotland yeah, has passed yeah, a, minor, a minor administrative reform uh, of, of how you recognize a change in gender. The, the sole effect of this is to make it slightly easier to change your birth certificate. It does nothing. However, because every turf group has insisted that, uh, through a sort of peculiar misreading of the law, that this is what allows trans women to like enter single-sex spaces, which it isn't, uh, this has been the focus of huge well, wait, protests. Alice, I don't know. I, I always show my birth certificate whenever I go into a changing room at a yes, store. Yes, right? Of course you do. Yeah. And it's normal to have it like uh, demanded of you. Yeah, that's I, that's why I keep it folded in my breast pocket. <laughs> so this, this uh, has been I the focus of like. I think you'll find I belong here. <laughs> if you want, if you want to look over my papers, <laughs> years and years of public consultation and protest and more public consultation. It's the, the most scrutinised law in Scottish history, and uh, the, the upshot of this is that it, it passed after a long attempt at delay and filibustering sponsored by the Scottish Conservatives, and then. A thing happened in the Scottish Parliament as it passed. Riley, would you like to like to summarize what what, what went on? Uh, well, first of all, uh, it I just think we we have oh, to say uh, thank you to the gender critical movement uh, for preventing um, adults from uh, coming into uh, let's say uh, public spaces and sexualizing sure. them to make a political point around children, um, especially. That's yeah, around know, a very children. important safety consideration. Yeah, indeed. When um, so, what happened as this was being passed is that a uh, sort of prominent uh, gender critical 
person with a Twitter account uh, called <laughs> Gussie <laughs> Grips. Yeah, Gussie Grips. Um, Damn, that Gussie Grips. <laughs> well, no, Milo, you make a joke, but that's, I believe, what her name refers to, because uh, she is a sort of oh. a campaigner for a sort of pelvic floor exercise. Yeah, she, um, she, she started oh. out as a physiotherapist uh, whose deal was like Kegels and like pelvic floor exercises. And from that sort of point, that singular obsession, that transformed into a different obsession, that of she's, the trans She's a women. scholar of Kegel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. been reading Kegel. <laughs> but her phenomenology led her to the understanding that trans women are trying to take her pelvic floor exercises away. And so, oh, no. Gussie Grips, which is, you know, a name, uh, 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 Elaine Miller, I think her name is. But her, yeah. Well, her Gussie moniker, stands for guy pussy, obviously. <laughs> no, that's exactly the opposite of what she wants. She, oh, she, no. She wants, she oh, wants the Gussie girl to be pussy. like... Yeah, but she's, <laughs> she, she's not <laughs> thought about it. Um, but so she she wants the gussy to remain, you know, sort of women only, and for it to grip mm. also to be very strong, healthy vagina. Um, sure. I, I, so so she uh, she got up in in the parliament after this passed, and she she flashed her pussy, her gussy, uh, uh, at everyone, oh. and they were including uh, like supporters of the bill, opponents of the bill. There were children there as well. Um, it, it was apparently a merkin, a, a pubic wig over over a pair of tights. <laughs> but um, I, as I understand it, both the police and the like Scottish Parliament are now investigating this. Um, to me, I I don't care. I don't care if she gets arrested. I just think it's sort of. I, I, I'm very grateful to her to, for making the point about how fucking weird turfs are better than I possibly could. Oh, absolutely. It's um. I mean, there there has there. I think there is sort of a um. The the longer it sort of that that it goes on, it does seem like it does get slightly more insane. Um, oh yeah. But it, it also it's it's it. I think it highlights sort of one of the things I sort of bang on about. Which is that if you start becoming a transphobe, it will take over the one like relatively normal thing you might do. Uh, yeah, Riley's law. Pel- yeah, pelvic floor exercises or writing a beloved children's story set in a doing magic school or whatever. Pelvic floor exercises transphobically somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she's found a way, you know? Um, yeah. And then it will just take over everything until you're flashing Scottish Parliament to be like, this is what they do. <laughs> this, this, this is this is this, you yeah. actually. This is uh, you know bypassing the, this law, you have sort of enabled sex crimes, and I'm going to prove it by doing one. Is like a fantastic piece of political uh, political theatre. Turfism uh, is, is fascinating all- because I think more so than any other like right wing political phenomenon, even though it's not one of the more popular ones, despite what you might think in the media, it's kind of it's actually kind of it doesn't poll mm. that well with the populace, but it's just like all of the people who do it are very high profile. But um what's fascinating about it is it is just a madness rune. Just yeah. like everyone everyone who gets into it, it completely takes over their life and it sends them absolutely bonkers. Like, <laughs> there's not a single turf who hasn't completely lost their mind. And of course, now we get into an interesting constitutional question because uh, Rishi Sunak has, and, and the Home Secretary for that matter, have threatened to just flatly overrule uh, this new uh, like administrative change. It's going to take like a year to implement anyway, uh, but they're, they're threatening to like Procedurally overrule it as being like incompatible with the the Equality Act. Remember that Economist article we read about uh, fifteen minutes ago? Hey, how's that looking right now? 
yeah, maybe things will just get better. Um, I mean, mm. I, I think this is also a, a good thing in the sense that um, I can't think of something that would motivate Scottish people to be less transphobic more than English people telling them that they have to. Uh, we sort of saw this with it's the Scottish the Human Rights Commission. It's the beautiful chess of Anglo-Scottish politics. Exactly, exactly. Like sort of that kind of spite and not wanting to be to be you know told what to do and dictated to. I think that will that will you know come in very. The very Tories handy. need to start telling the Scots to leave the union. <laughs> this is this is the perfect seven D chess. Yeah, you just need to like sort of neg Scotland at the next election into like uh you know, maybe maybe just fuck off then, maybe rejoin the EU, we don't care. And th this will then lead to like a massive conservative or labor majority and you know, support for remain. But additionally, right, this is this comes back to another thing that I've been sort of I've been thinking about, right, which is that this is a, a, again by the numbers not very popular except among columnists. Yeah, and this is strange too that like Rishi Sunak's image of sort of like um, moderation and sort of like uh, calm, quiet politics that has survived without even a dent. The idea of like taking human rights legislation off of a devolved administration and blocking it because you don't like it—something which is not particularly moderate or particularly calm—I would say doesn't seem to have made a difference. But equally, you know, reminded of this, there was a very popular idea, especially when sort of, you know, Corbyn was in charge of the Labour Party, that it was the left-wing parties that were populated um, and staffed by isolated weirdos who are willing to appear like repellent oafs in public because of their odd ideological commitments that most of the public finds strange and off-putting. Yeah, remember when Almost Corbyn got his though. pussy out at a conference? I don't know why he did that. Um, yeah, the cussing. Even... Even that it's cool, a, the cool bus, cool bus <laughs> yeah. That uh, he was like, "Look, all Pussy Oh, all did it at the we same fucking time for it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that this is this is it's not. It's not just a the chair that looks like a. <laughs> I think he actually did that. Um, oh. uh, but I, I am reminded of this of this idea, and also it's not, and it's not just the. Um, you know, sort of uh, uh, turfs doing their odd nonsense up in in Holyrood, but also it's the Conservative Party as well, just becoming increasingly insular and um, talking basically to itself and its most ardent supporters. I becoming wonder what's been described like that weird. before. Yeah. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. Not the Tory Party we know and love. <laughs> the Scottish Conservatives are now, and uh, you know, just a reminder for anyone who insists that Scotland is like more progressive than the UK, the second largest party in Scotland is the, is the Conservatives, and um, largely off of this culture war shit and uh, the Constitution. And so, uh, if you want an example of like a party that's like talking to itself, the Conservatives certainly, but the Scottish Conservatives, like within that, they're like doubling down even more on that. Um, so I want to sort of come on to. Uh, don't worry, it's not going to be all British politics. We have a little, a little fun thing at the end from one of our That's favorite, um, one of our favorite little uh, 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 sort of ongoing projects, let's say. Uh, but uh, there's another, a new sort of, um, and again, this is going to be a very good little sort of slice of, I think, actually Britonology as well uh, for all you international listeners, which is Labour has announced their new, um, their new plan. How to many deal points with does it have? <laughs> So far, uh, just two, uh, but I'm sure that there will be more coming. Bloody austerity. And, uh, Ein zwei punkt plan. Sorry. 
Uh, so uh, Steve Reed, um, uh, Shadow uh, in, in Shadow Justice, uh, has said, you know, uh, we have a new plan for dealing with antisocial behavior. Shadow um, justice. Well, I mean, knowing, knowing the Labour Party, <laughs> knowing the Labour Party, it's going to be both ineffective and also extremely authoritarian. So we I have think hired the Batman. <laughs> Yeah, we've put the bat signal on the roof of Luna House in Croydon. I I think maybe this is the time. You know, we always talk to think tank people, right? And we always talk to think tank people on the basis that, like, ideas on the table, right? This is a policy proposal. Even if they don't take it, it's good to have the idea out there. It'll influence things, right? Maybe now it's my turn to be the think tank person and say, I've had an idea about this. I've had it for a long time. And that is... I'm just putting this out there, just leaving this on the table. Keir Starmer, if you're interested. The quiet car on trains. British Transport Police should be able to enforce that with grenade launchers. Now, I, I'm not going to say it's a panacea. It's not going to solve all the problems. But don't you can't say it wouldn't cheer you up. So just I'm just leaving it there. <laughs> That's one of the ideas we're putting on the table, huh? <laughs> grenade yeah, yeah. launchers. It, now, Alice, have you considered that there is a small issue with this idea is that for at least a very short period of time, the quiet car will be very loud indeed. <laughs> I've got noise-canceling headphones, it's fine. Okay, fine, good, excellent. Uh, problem solved. Uh, no, so, basically remember a couple of things, well, before we talk about this, right? Which is that the Labour have said that their route to office is through sort of suburban, older, uh, white male leave voters, basically. Yeah, right? come the working back to, to Labour, man. right, because your, your mortgage now costs £4,000 a second, so come back to Labour. Or as I'm sure it will say on the poster, come back to Labour. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and, and it will be We're a southern person just doing a voice. Uh, it won't be, That's right. it will be just be that. Uh, so, and also remember that... Um, <laughs> giant version of that that building with Mussolini's face on it, but it's Keir Starmer wearing a flat cap. He's <laughs> gonna put one of those up in every market town. North and there's of like Watson. a mining lamp on it for some reason. <laughs> but the other thing I was gonna uh, remind you, of course, is that um, overall the trend of um, crime in basically every city in every. Um, uh, sort of like the North Atlantic uh, country is on a it's down. It is mm -hmm. the idea that there is a crime wave is a fiction. Yeah, uh, everyone's too one. depressed to do crime anymore. Plus, you know, all the hours at the Amazon warehouse. Uh. Or, or indeed, if there is crime, it's the kind of crime that we don't really class as crime, like wage theft and things of that nature, right? But the um, and this is why I'm holding this whippet. <laughs> And so, so what re so bearing all that in mind, right? That the people who they need to get um, on side are already people whose pensions are expensive and their mortgages are expensive. But they've decided to do this one thing. With Alice, you very presciently have said, mm, probably uh, won't achieve its intended goal, but will massively increase petty authoritarianism. Yes, um, good. So, well, that's almost as good. Is it okay? I'm going to try and brainstorm this here. Is it that as soon as you sign a mortgage, you you get the powers of like a special constable, like you have the power of arrest once you own a home? Weirdly, not a million miles away. Um, <laughs> oh, <not> great! <laughs> oh, are we getting constable. British stand your ground laws? Uh, no, 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 no. That would require you to be sort of have the the cojones to actually stand your ground. This is. I'm tattling on the teacher, and then I get to decide what happens to you. Ooh. Oh, fuck yeah, I did read about this. 
Um, this is that uh, they're gonna they're gonna let like the victims of antisocial behavior decide the punishment, right? Yeah. So basically, <laughs> but not in like a restorative justice way. In a like, how many lashes do you get? Sort of way. <laughs> I love this. I love this. This, this is perfect labor policy. It's it's sort of like Starmerism in a nutshell, right? It's we we can defund the courts even more, so we don't have to like do anything approaching like a process of justice. Instead, we just like you know the policeman picks you up by your ear and like delivers the miscreant to like uh, you know the nearest homeowner who decides. I, I don't know, I think they should be flenched, and then, you know, we, we just do that. <laughs> You're hung, drawn, and quartered. Your yeah. punishment is that you will be restricted to smoked salmon or tapenade vapes for the next six months. <laughs> no, fuck. This no. is so unjust. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I think this will go over very well with voters. I think this is sort of a broadly well-considered thing electorally. Because British people are tyrants and they love this, and like every fucking oh, yeah. little sadist is going to go for this, like huge labor landslide on the basis that you know an asbo can now mean that if a kid kicks a football into your garden, you can choose to have him tonsured or whatever. Uh, <laughs> give him a bald patch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's we, what he I can want. like ha- has to wear some kind of like device called the heretic's crown or whatever that kills you after a day. Putting him in the Iron Maiden. Yeah, the things that American local officials in like small municipalities where they run unopposed get to decide to do, where it's like, you know, they they, they sentence a guy for, I, I don't know, not paying child support or whatever, and the order will be like, uh, and you have to wear like a pink tutu and stand at this intersection for 12 hours or whatever. Um, Alice, I don't know. I, I don't know if you're doing this intentionally, but you are essentially describing Maricopa County under Sheriff Joe Arpaio, who oh, was sure, given yeah. this broad remit um, to essentially take vengeance uh, on, um, on on people who often, again, had like administrative issues, like unpaid parking tickets they didn't show up for a bench, stuff like this, mm-hmm. and. Um, and this included stuff like having them work outside with inadequate um, heat protection. Listen, if you have an unpaid parking ticket, it's only fair that the person whose parking space, uh, like the, their house is next to that parking space, gets to decide how much cock and ball torture the police get to do to you. I actually love the idea of like a guy getting his car, car keyed and the police coming around and asking him like how the offender should be punished. And he's like, what's the name of that thing where they put you in a sack with a chicken, a, sa- a snake and a goat and then throw you in a river? <laughs> yeah, if anyone does antisocial behavior to me, it's to be punished by scaphism. Thanks. Yeah, um, I think I should be thrown off to Tarpeian Rock. <laughs> and Just in, in reminder, accordance with the Sharia, you know, uh, whatever, yeah, whatever the, I consider that to the be. vigils to throw him off the top. Eh? <laughs> as, as, um, as, as a reminder as well, this is for antisocial behavior, which if, for, again, American listeners, antisocial behavior nothing. is like... Nothing. It could be nothing. You know, it's, no, it's not nothing, Alice. It's what if you're a group of four young people and you're standing around? Yeah, what if that? Uh, well, I mean, I, I think we know the answer, and it's the Tarpeian Rock. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, right. that's the Tarpeian Rock. Yeah, a I'm afraid. Five point plan to throw like yobs off the Tarpeian Rock. Yeah, it's five yobs, one point Every for each person job. under sixteen in Britain gets thrown <laughs> off the Tarpeian Rock. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Never did me any harm. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I'm <was> right. <laughs> I'd get thrown off the Tarpeian Rock all the time. My father <laughs> wouldn't take any of our of shit. He'd throw us off the Tarpeian Rock as soon as we woke up. Oh, it was character building. <laughs> 
<laughs> Here's if you, the if you listen to music slightly too loud, you're going to get buried alive under the forum boarium, and you know. If, that, I, that's if fine. I catch you playing the nose flute at that volume again, <laughs> you're going to be off the fucking tar paying rock, son. <laughs> nah, yeah, he caught he caught us dishonouring Vulcan for us off the tar paying rock. <laughs> yeah, we ate all his garum, tar paying rock. <laughs> I'll explain what's being proposed specifically. So, um, Labour's proposal is to strengthen the use of community sentences, um, which they say would achieve a double win by tackling reoffending rates and, quote, giving a voice to victims. And to me, again, this is like this smacks of the same kind of democratization talk that you would see in like a cryptocurrency that's like, we're democratizing syndicated finance or whatever. It's like, no, you just have a cryptocurrency. Um, it's the same thing to me. It's, Reed said, Victims will be able to select the unpaid work that offenders carry out, so victims will see justice being done. And while currently, community sentences can include useful work like clearing wasteland, decorating community centers, repairing churches, or removing graffiti, painting the ground directly under the tarpaean rock, <laughs> Labour intends also to widen the scope of what can be considered community sentences. So what that basically says is uh -oh. we're going to create a, a new laundry list of petty revenges that you can take on young people you find annoying if you vote for Keir Starmer and his uh, band of merry men. Oh, it's going to be like playing Tekken. You know, you get a list of like button combos that are different moves, <laughs> but it's like antisocial behavior punishment. Yeah, this is genuinely going to go over so well, is the problem. Like, this is, I, I, I hate to say it, but they may have, like, labor scientists have worked after hours in the lab, many a long night, and they finally come up with a policy that I think will be genuinely popular yeah. with the British Operation Vaporclip, where the Labour Party brought over <laughs> all of the most boring German scientists. <laughs> <laughs> to triangulate the most dull possible policies. <laughs> yeah. So now, now, if you if you like smoke a sweet vape or whatever, they get to like your you, you know various responsible adults get to fire mortars at you while you run well, across the field like, like that one Maya video. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it's a yeah. I, I look. My my father found my birthday cake flavored vape in my nightstand, and now I have to like do the run away from the guys like in the movie Apocalypto. Hmm. Yeah, it's going to get executed with an anti-aircraft gun like those scare stories about North Korea. Uh, I think the other the other thing to remember here as well is it's not exactly like everyone in Britain who loves this. It's just the people who are most empowered and taken seriously by our you know decrepit media and uh, political system. It, 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 it's... It is all of the... It's, and they vote. We, yeah. We're bumper stickers. <laughs> like, I throw yobs off the Tarpeian rock and I vote. Yeah. Love me wife, eight youths. Don't like <laughs> it, there's the Tarpeian Rock. Giant, giant sort of like Tarpeian Rock bumper sticker next to one of those like two foot wide radiator grill poppies. That's the future. Victims would sit on new community payback boards that would oversee community sentences and make sure that offenders complete unpaid work, which again is a bit like empowering, you know, like... Like, 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 the worst from down the road. You know. Yeah. Yeah. R Range to, Rover um, Mum is going to, like, sentence you. Um, exactly. She's going to sit on something called a payback board. Oh, <laughs> which, oh you, you know what, though? In this, in this, in this sort of universe, though, there's also going to be, like, 
the tiresome liberal person who's against the policy who'll be like on question time going like well actually i think that the home the home secretary should be thrown off the tarpaulin rock <laughs> if they like it so much <laughs> just like and then they'll get like a everyone else round of applause yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so these boards would be given the power to hold local services and companies accountable for failing to enforce the terms of community sentences in full. Because, like, there is a sizable political constituency in this country, and the, the naming it the Payback Board is just so much clearer to me about this, that there's a sizable political constituency whose only political policy platform is, why hasn't the Prime Minister made the film Harry Brown real yet? Um, yeah, it is quite a Jason Statham ass line. I'm chairman of the payback board. <laughs> and you're up for review, sunshine. The, the payback board is like a two by four with a nail through it. Um, yeah, you with which the you top like, and rock. <laughs> goad people off the top and rock. If I don't if I don't throw a loitering youth off the top and rock in the next fifteen minutes, my heart's gonna literally explode. Uh, interestingly, you described the payback board as a two by four with a nail in it. Uh, one of the punishments for listening to music on your phone in the bus is you do have to sit on the payback board. <laughs> um, so this is the last bit. Don't threaten Alice with a good time. Yeah. <laughs> this is the bit that really makes it for me, which is uh, Steve Reed went on that his own experience of being robbed at knife point helped him to understand victims' desire for, and they actually use the word retribution saying, I know what it's like to be the oh. victims of crime. I know how victims of crime feel when they want retribution, and I know how victims of yeah. crime feel when they don't want that to happen to other people ever again. I thought the point of a justice system was to remove that. Yeah, it, it's not like Keir Starmer was ever, you know, a, a barrister or anything, a human rights lawyer. Mm. Like, I, like, never sort of sat through any classes about, you know, the retribution's place in the justice system. But it's, it's cool. We can go back to, like, like blood money now. Um, it was great. Yeah, Hitman 2. Yeah, yeah, well, the whole, like... <laughs> the, <clears throat> sorry. The whole thing with victims is they're very... The reason why there's a system around this is the victims are very bad at deciding what the punishment should be for a crime because, obviously, they're usually quite emotional <laughs> about <laughs> what happened. <laughs> and this is why they're generally removed from that process. And I, and, and I think even, there is like a, 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 as you say, for this reason, victims are t uh, like typically quite separated from that process. And that's why things like victim impact statements, right? Or like having the option to do, you know, some kind of like uh, restorative justice. It's probably a good thing. That's probably like a good liberal intervention to make. Taking it out here to, uh, well, they should just be able to decide how many lashes you get. That's. Mm. more problematic let's say yeah they should be tied to a post and the victim should get 15 minutes in there with a baseball bat <laughs> god it is that isn't it it is like that thing that sun readers say about like nonces or whatever where it's like yeah just give me like half an hour and it's like oh god Great, yeah, they're going to reanimate Roy Shaw and put him in charge of justice <laughs> no they've ruined prison now because you can't they don't let you near the nonces anymore you know, you want to hurt them, don't you? You want to, you want to get at them, but you can't now. They've ruined prison. It's, it, I think the, the, the way to understand, if you want to fit this into a larger political trend, it's that the, the, the best way to understand the politics of the last, you know, however many years in Britain, depending on when you want to start counting from, but let's say the recent past, is that there has been an increasing tendency towards, um, I think, the, let's say, embracing the darker side of the self. And and, mm. and and valorizing 
um, the sort of innate human desires to hurt, uh, to exploit, uh, to 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 take and to and to and to break things essentially that oh, we sure. more than most stickers. other countries have chosen to to hold those qualities up as laudable and sort of look with scorn and detest on anyone who would attempt to do something else. Uh, you can call it a kind of you could it's a kind of realism that sort of says the only thing that can be treated with respect as an idea is that which we know to be hurtful to be cruel to be even short-termist, you know, um, that anything else is kind of um, effeminate or liberal or unserious. And, you know, just- Or to, dangerous, it, it, as it, Corbyn was, mind you. Indeed. And, and, to, and to put into context of, like, just the, um, the fact that this is- the race now is between who can allow victims of, of like, you know, victims of loitering youth- uh, to like get control of the whole army for 15 minutes um, a, a day, right? Who can go get there fastest? You know, who, which country, which party will be brave <laughs> enough to make, nuke yeah. Croydon? Yeah, who can make homeowners into the, like the judges from Judge Dredd fast enough? Well, yeah. you know, we've had, we've had Dark Brandon. Are we going to get Donnie Starmo? Ooh. Dark Will he Starmo. be the one? Yeah. It's yeah. a good idea, isn't it? Oh. A powerful thought. We have a few minutes left. Uh, I wanted to end on. Um, I watched uh, Neom's uh, 2022 year in review <laughs> movie. I, I just this second got a fucking ad for Neom. Oh, yeah, everyone who listens like to this show gets ads for Neom. Advertiser. Yeah, a huge advertiser on Twitter. Yeah. One of the only ones. Yeah, it's like well, it's people like, um, in a supermarket and then in a forest somehow, but they're mm-hmm. like living rooms it's, in a forest and then robotic yeah. arms assembling something labeled the future. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Where else are they going to assemble it? Well, yeah, that what, is a true. City yeah. That's a circle? Oh, there's also Come people on. BMXing outside the supermarket. <laughs> oh, they would never fly in Britain. <laughs> no. Yeah, the, the progressive right. justice system of Saudi Arabia is like much more humane about these things, which yeah, this be point may genuinely be true. <laughs> 4,000 foot high skyscraper that's also 4,000 feet long. Yeah, of course. Uh, no, so. And the thing is that there was, we missed one of the Neom zones uh, when we last talked oh, about shit. Neom. And I thought it was the body it zone, was the giant where you could walk through the organs and stuff. The boy was next to it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, if Neom got the boy, that would really, I'd move there. Then um, we'd have to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'd have to go. We'd all have to take a picture with the boy. Um, <laughs> no, so the, um, they basically created a space, and I shit you not, this is what they say, for the yachting community. People of yachts, pretty fun. Yeah, people of yachts. I swear to fucking Great god, that language, that language escaped its sort of um, its a useful uh, barriers uh, and is just being used by the most repellent people in the world. Listen, now. If you can't, if you can't do person-centered language for like uh, super yacht owners, who can you do? It for? Yeah, really? the yacht <laughs> community. Yeah. Uh, so Sindala, which is the name of this uh, new area, is an island. <laughs> Um, and <laughs> Just an oligarch who gets a super yacht with like a scale tarpeian rock on it that you could throw people off. Yeah, it's actually you dive <laughs> off it into the ocean. It's really fun. <laughs> oh yeah, it's considered sort of like a like a grisly joke, you know? Like, oh, I'm loitering yeah. youth. <laughs> oh, it is, it is made rock of rock me. though, so it does sink the boat. <laughs> one of, one of the oligarchs that we sort of like accidentally became too British from living here too long, like Abramovich or something, is getting the tarpeian rock on there. Uh, so Sindala. Uh, uh, MBS said, This is another significant moment for Neom. I'm sure it is. 
um, and a major step in the kingdom realizing its tourism ambitions under Vision 2030. Sindala will be Neom's first luxury yacht island and yacht club destination in the Red Sea. Raise, raising my hand here for a question. Um, yep. What are they doing that's weird or fucked up here? Is it going to be? Do you, are we stacking the yachts vertically? Um, mm. do, are the like, yachts on the blockchain? Yeah. Does it like retrieve your yacht sort of like mechanically from a big parking structure? Like what's happening here? Uh, free mm. tarpeian rocks for all. Um, mm. That are dropped from a sensible height of uh, 300 feet <laughs> onto your yacht. Um, I like the idea of like Russian, Russian oligarch with Tarpeian rock on his uh, on his rock on his yacht, standing at the top of it and going like, uh, uh, "It is, it is me, uh, Robert Maxwell." Uh, oh no, please, <laughs> members of British Special Air Service, I will do whatever you want. Ah! <laughs> his his yacht's still around, which means there is a strong possibility that its current owner could have done Robert Maxwell bits. Just like on the back of it, just like whoop. You would just be like, tempted. Kind of like, yeah, yeah, of course you would. You feel like it's an ill-starred yacht to buy. So you, you asked me earlier, what kind of impossible thing are they doing in Sindala? And yes. I would say that MBS has once again defied our expectations by making this the first theoretically possible project in Neom. Ah, okay. I mean, <laughs> this is the thing, right? MBS. I've often thought that one of the possible outcomes of Neon was they they would build some sort of aspect of it and then declare victory, right? And then say that the line was just a metaphor or whatever. So maybe it's just this. Maybe like they'll have like evicted those those tribes and like killed the the dissidents in order to build one marina in a place no one will ever go to. Uh, it's entirely possible. Um... Oh, good. Uh, the one, so it's just it's just a big series of luxury hotels, and luxury uh, service departments, and berths, and fine dining, right? All of the things that you would like if you know you were MBS, uh, and that you'd want to have, have your own special little and rock on your boat. <laughs> <laughs> have your own little special island where you can have fun with your friends. No funny business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it's got special, <laughs> your own specially uh, secured floor of the hotel where you can have fun with your relatives. Um. <laughs> Yeah, the weird thing is that suitcases are banned from this area. (laughs) (laughs) But right, the the and it's so it's just something that again is a giant expensive boondoggle, but is theoretically possible. The one bit is the couple bits of of um sort of impossible things here, of course, that like uh, it's I think widely known that extreme luxury stuff is incredibly energy intensive and very um let's say, environmentally unfriendly. And they say, we will somehow preserve all the nature of this island and all of the beautiful marine life while also making this like, incredibly high-end super luxe destination. Yeah. M- meanwhile, so, Robert Maxwell's yacht is like belching bunker oil into the atmosphere, like covering yeah. all the seabirds or whatever. Um, and the, another one is that it's going to have a golf course on the island that will be in t- physical and real, and you play actual real golf, but will have so many sensors on it that apparently you'll be able to like have it has special ball tracking technology, which again, like they should give that to the uh, fucking uh, Scottish turfs. Yeah, <laughs> we, got, we yeah. got the Saudi ball tracking technology. <laughs> um, Golf and, and so ball on. tracking, GBT. Oh wait, uh, no, the- fuck. Sorry, an update about the yacht. Uh, I'm yacht pilled now. I'm down. Yes. I'm down yes. the yacht. Right. The, the the yacht, which is now called the Dancing Hare, but which was formerly the Lady Ghislaine and the Lady Mona Kay, was built in 1986 for Emad Khashoggi, who per, who uh, didn't actually buy it in the end, and Robert Maxwell bought it 
died on the yacht famously and was then owned by uh, an Arabian businessman. And it is now owned not by Trump, who owns a similar yacht, which is actually what they were going on about in that article. It is owned by the former wife of Rupert Murdoch, Anna Murdoch. Hell yes. Very is... auspicious for media moguls, this yacht. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, I guess we know how Rupert Murdoch's going to die, uh, which is positive. Being thrown off a Tarpeian rock. <laughs> so here are a series of questions and answers about Neom's most, uh, again, like, quote-unquote sensible uh, project from Anthony Vivesh, uh, the chief urban planning officer. Um, I've, I've picked, there's 10 of them. I've picked three very fun ones. Um, I'm going to read the first question to you now. Saudi Arabia is now one of the fastest growing economies in the world with a young population and a visionary leader looking to position Neom at the forefront of growth. How excited are you to be part of the new future? I get a sense of the sort of interview technique here. Um, yeah, it's great. Did he say it's great? Or did he, was he sort of, did he push back on this? I would be surprised. Is it in short, it is very exciting. Oh, the country has a good. leader under 40. <laughs> cool. Wow. Just sort of like, uh, h- how many of these questions are hyping up MBS out of curiosity? Yeah. Uh, so there are, there are in fact 10 of these questions. I've picked three. I'm excited to like learn how the first Russian oligarchs are going to commit suicide in Neom. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's sure. going to happen? Uh, he, he, he put his entire head down in front of the like high speed monorail that goes down the line. Um, mm. Tragic. Unforeseeable. My other favorite question that he's asked is the following question, which again, just starts with a long sentence. The world received news of Sindala in a hugely positive way, but there is a small percentage of naysayers. What do you say to those who have yet to be convinced? Why is this written like it's the Quran? It's really like winding old-fashioned speech. Received, received news of this written in like Fushar. Like, it's very strange. Um, in an ab- ablative yeah, absolute. Uh, yeah. <laughs> came down from the mountain and turned into a flame, and that flame uh, burns in the fireplace <laughs> of uh, Truly, of they will be amongst the losers. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the haters and the losers rejected his message. Yeah, genuinely, right? Because like the, most English translations of the Quran like, use the word losers for, like, uh, I don't know, like sinners or like people who are gonna, you know, not get into heaven, right? And it's very difficult, very difficult to read an English translation of the Quran that doesn't sound a little bit like it's in Donald Trump voice. Like every so often, you'll get a line that is like, "Truly, they will be amongst the losers," and you'll be like, "And then the Prophet Muhammad, very big guy, one of the biggest so- guys of all time, actually." Well, my message to those people is to come and visit us once we open Sindala. Uh, you know, for those people who are in the yachting community, but skeptical mm-hmm. about Sindala. Um, when yeah, they do, they sure. will see with their own eyes how incredible it is in this part of the world. And, you know, if, if they don't, then they're going to see the, like, secret floor of the Hilton, which is also very nice. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. the, the, the third question I've chosen uh, to end, to round off this uh, fine New Year's uh, episode is... How is life at Neom for you on a daily basis? To which <laughs> sort of a very like sort of g- gun visible at edge of shot. How is life? How are you enjoying continuing to experience it? This is uh, we work hard, but we are treated very well. <laughs> we we I am being treated well by my captors. Uh, I'm holding today's newspaper for no reason. Um, I just like reading it. 
like reading the funny pages. Mm. Yeah, that's I right. like being photographed and with the newspaper because it brings out the color of my eyes. <laughs> that's right. And if I seem if I seem like haggard or distressed in any way, uh, that's just because of how much fun I'm having. It's very tiring here. Um, so much so that I, I I had to like actually handcuff myself to this radiator to calm down. Actually, you know, something he and I have in common. Um, <laughs> no, actually, I don't feel like moving my index finger from behind today's newspaper. There's nothing to see about it. <laughs> I've not been kidnapped. I'm just reading this great article by Kay Wiggins in the Financial Times. <laughs> well, this well, orange jumpsuit is what I normally wear around the house. It's my comfies. <laughs> uh, that is uh, as good a place as any, I think, to end uh, the first uh, 2023 episode of TF. Yeah. That no has been recorded questions. in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, None of us have been kidnapped. We're going to remove mm-hmm. the podcasting headquarters to Sindala, where we will join the global yachting community. Um, mm-hmm. So everybody, please uh, join the $10,000 a month tier on Patreon, uh, which is send TF to Sindala to join the global yachting community. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, like, you'll get sail a show your yacht directly up to the like the Hilton and like through a sort of like barred window and some heavy curtains. We will do the podcast to you from there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, now the cobbers the, came around and asked us what we want done with uh, the people we illegally pirate in the bonus episodes of Trash Future, and I said they uh, haven't been added by ISIS. <laughs> yeah. I said that's no problem, uh, sir. What? What we? What? Or alternatively, there will be a Patreon tier just called Yacht, and it is one yacht <laughs> per month. Yacht, uh, yacht, 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 yacht. The yacht. Maxwell tier of the Patreon. <laughs> Dear, you can Maxwell, get thrown off a boat if you're out there, which you may still be. Against all the odds, we have a tear for you. I want to see... Right, the fucking cowards at Call of Duty need to put a fucking <laughs> flashback mission in the next one where you throw Robert Maxwell off a yacht. Soap. <laughs> okay, this all right. going to get quite slippery. I've got, I've, we've all got stuff to do. You've got things to do out there in podcast land. So mm. we, and by we, I mean uh, probably us from Australia... Uh, we'll see you on the bonus in a couple of yeah, days. I think I'm very quiet on that one. Sorry oh, about that. Bonus. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but uh, happy, uh, happy holidays, happy new year, uh, and yeah. here's to a year where maybe everything fixes itself. That's right. Here's to the Economist. Um, yeah. yeah, it's going to be fine. It's supposed to be fine. Don't like it. There's a top and rock. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and don't forget also I'm going to try to make a habit of doing this again our theme song is Here We Go by Ginseng you can find it on Spotify listen to it early listen to it often plus we have a Patreon because yeah, if you don't Ginseng can decide what to do with you and it's not going to be pleasant no indeed yeah. um, and don't forget there's a Patreon it's five bucks a month if you don't have a yacht uh, so do check that out anyway uh, we will see you soon bye everyone bye 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 bye